the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am your headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. And, of course, I am joined in studio once again by the producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Good evening, Rebecca. Good evening. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you as well. Yes. I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to get through this show. This this lingering voice, whenever yes. I get sick, mm-hmm. it always goes to my voice. I know. In yeah. the, and for me, too, it goes into my chest and yep. we cough. And it's just... I actually feel fine. I yeah. just can't talk very well. Yeah, lots <laughs> so, of water, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, we are so happy to have Mark Janis back in the studio with us. We had him in the studio last week kind of talking about the lead up to his landmark case. And in June of 2018, that landmark Supreme Court case, which was Janice versus ASME, which stands for American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, which is really our public center sector unions, um, the Supreme Court overturned 40 years of precedent, having ruled that unions can no longer charge non-union employees fair share fees because they violate First Amendment rights of public employees. In fact, they do. In fact, prior to the ruling, most government employees, including teachers, were paying between 500 to to $1,000 in fair share fees for a government union Man. in order to keep their jobs. That is a lot of money. Yes, it is. And sometimes they were even paying more money than that. Mm-hmm. And in the Janus case, the Supreme Court majority stated that the right to speak, the right to associate or not to associate, which protects citizens against being forced to fund someone else's political speech, are the bedrock of our freedom and our constitutional republic. Mm-hmm. Well, and the lead plaintiff in the case, Mark Janice, has since joined the Liberty Justice Center and travels around the country to wear, raise awareness of government workers' rights and the special union and political interests that threaten to deny them. He joins us by telephone tonight from Illinois to discuss his lifelong journey as a public servant and the specifics surrounding his landmark Supreme Court case. Mark, thank you so much for joining us again tonight on Education Nation. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be back again. Yes. Second time. Yes, wonderful. And and last week, Mark, we we did discuss quite a bit about the uh, build-up to your case, your lifelong experience of being a uh, trained and a foundation in place to be a public servant uh, to help other people and and just some of the tactics that were uh, in place and, and some of the lies that are, are coming forth uh, from the union since uh, the ruling uh, that came down in June of 2018. We'll talk more about that later tonight in greater detail. But as we turn our attention uh, to the response of the unions and the politicians that are protecting their interests, uh, what has been that really since SCOTUS ruled in favor 
of government workers in 2018. Are they implementing the high court's ruling? Um, no. In, <laughs> in many cases, they are not. Um, you know, the the response of the unions have been um, obstruction, coercion, um, a lot of other things. Um, you know, they're implementing what they call opt-out windows okay. mm-hmm. uh, or only certain periods of time, whether it be 10 days, maybe two weeks, uh, that if you want to resign your union membership, uh, you you can only do it during that period of time. So the analogy I can provide is you're giving up your First Amendment rights for 50 weeks out of the year, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and how would somebody like it if they had to give up their their freedoms and their rights for 50 weeks out of the year, but they can only exercise them for two weeks out mm-hmm. of the year? Right. I mean, that's abominable. Right. Uh, and And they've also been able to you know, keep people from resigning by all kinds of tactics, such as uh, the confusion of when is that window. Yes, that's and, what they're doing here in Minnesota with yes. the teachers. Yep. Right, mm-hmm. and also they've they've said, okay, you can send us a letter uh, to this address, um, and we need you to send it certified mail and return receipt, so on and so forth. Uh, and what's interesting is sometimes the letter comes back, and they don't even accept the letter. Oh. And when you call and say, hey, what's going on? I say, well, we never got your letter, so oh. we don't know that you want to resign. Oh, my um, goodness. That... Or they say, fine, you can resign your, your membership in the union, but you still have to pay us the dues uh, <laughs> you know, because you're, you're not allowed to get out of that until the contract expires, which could be three, five years down the road somewhere. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I could go on and on, but I think you get the idea. Yeah. They're making up the rules as they go along, yeah. basically. It, it, it's, it's filling the swamp, if you yes. will, basically yeah. trying to make every excuse and roadblock to just discourage people from taking mm-hmm. advantage mm-hmm. of their constitutional yeah. rights. You mentioned you mentioned to Mark as you were preparing for this show um, that some state government leaders are actually declaring the Supreme Court case decision from your case does not apply to them. How can that be, and what are the reasons they're giving to support such a statement? Well, you know the the interesting thing is is that they're saying um, they're they're denying the the statement in. The decision that says that you have to give an affirmative consent. In other words, you have to give your permission in order to have those dues deducted and in order for you to be a member of the union. And you have to waive, according to the decision, if you join the union, you have to waive your First Amendment right. Because hmm. by doing that, you're giving the power of the union to speak on your behalf and speak for you. So mm-hmm. therefore, you're not allowed to do that for yourself because you're now part of this um, politically powerful entity. Um, and, and so they're denying the fact that, well, sorry, um, you know, you, you we're just going to go ahead and collect dues anyway because the union tells us that you're still a member um, and you don't get to go to your HR department and say, hey, I want out. I don't want to pay dues anymore. The HR department then goes to you and says, is this true? And the union says, well, no, we never got that notice. So, oh, it, so it's, it's like it's, kind of, it's kind of like playing mom and dad against one another, right. you know, um, exactly. for the benefit exactly. of the union, though, rather than, well, the, than the worker. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. the, and then also um, the other part is that we also have many of the polit- a lot of politicians across the state. Um, there have been over 102 pieces of what's now known as anti-Janus legislation huh. that has been proposed across the country. Wow. Uh, 
22 pieces, did you say? Uh, 122. 122. Over 100. And in fact, in my home state here, Illinois, just last week, our house uh, passed a piece of it. Um, And some of this legislation is is just unbelievable from the standpoint that, um, and I'm paraphrasing because in every state it's a little different, but in general they're saying, look, once you become a new hire with this municipality or state, the state has to give over to the union name, home address, home email, home phone number. Mm. Now, personally, I think that's... Right. That's a lot of information. But that's a lot of information. And my question is, to work for government, you have to give that information over to the union. Why? Right. Right. What for? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think you can extrapolate. Yep. Know why. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the other part of it is they also say, okay, we're going to limit you to get out of the union in in this two-week period. They put it in as legislation. Mm. Uh, And I could go on and on, Mm -hmm. but I think you get the idea. Mm -hmm. They're they're just trying to get around the decision any way, shape, or form they can. Instead of giving the worker the freedom and the ability to make their own decision, decide what's best for the individual, and, again, you know, give that worker the right, you know, to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And once again, I want to remind our listeners, we are talking about public sector unions here. So when they go to the legislature and ask for go-arounds, this SCOTUS um, decision, they're basically padding the pockets then of the very people that are elected into that legislature. Mm -hmm. And so if they go against what the unions say, then you know they're not going to get the money from the unions the next election cycle. And so it's this constant support, which to me, when there's no body behind, you know, when you when you think about um, iron workers or electricians, there's there's um, employers behind it. But in this case, the employers are the elected officials themselves. And well, so and, it's just and, such a catch-22. Yeah, well, the thing I look, uh, I always try to bring to the to the forefront is who's looking out for the taxpayer. Right, that's right. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, because I guess yeah. well, ultimately, it's the taxpayer that is the employee, or well, the employer. And, excuse me, the employer. Yeah, because when you have yeah. a private entity, um, you know, a private business that negotiates with the union, there's a yeah. checks and balance there. Right. You've got the the businessman and you got the union, and and they come to an agreement that's agreeable to both. But in the case of of the public sector. You've got the union um, in negotiating with the people that they elected, you know, in their political environment, which they do, and then and who is left out of the bargaining, uh, the negotiations, mm-hmm. taxpayers, exactly, that have to foot the bill and pay the bill. Which is why you end up in a state like uh, Illinois with billions, as you mentioned in our show last week, of unpaid liabilities and in uh, for for the public sector unions. Right. And, and here's another case. When you have all of these wages and benefits that are, that are being um, negotiated and the like, um, and there is that increase, uh, and as everyone knows, nobody likes to pay higher taxes, mm-hmm. you know, then, then what gets squeezed? You know, right. is, is it the, the social services? Is it education? What is it? Mm-hmm. You know, what gets uh, cut short? And you were listening to Education Nation here on AM 1280 The Patriot. Our guest again tonight for the second Saturday in a row is Mark Janus, who was the lead plaintiff in the Janus versus AFSCME Supreme Court case in which the ruling came down in June of 2018 that non-union members are no longer obligated to pay 
fair share fees, which we discussed where much of that money was going to last week. And now we are talking about the union's responses and the political interests affiliated with those unions and how they are responding as well. And so, Mark, we understand that this fight uh, is really just kind of beginning, you know, even though the case came down last year. In fact, we understand that you are back in court. What's going on there? Well, um, I'm I'm back in court asking for the dues that I paid, or, the, or I should say the fair share fees or yes. agency fees. I, I hate to use the word fair share because they really weren't fair at all. Right. Um, and because when we filed our case, uh, we weren't sure what was going to happen, um, and we felt that the union should have put the money into escrow, uh, depending on the outcome of the case. Um, they chose not to. They continued to spend it. Um, <laughs> and then once the Supreme Court ruled, uh, that made those those fees illegal. And I'm just saying, look, based on the statute of limitations, and every state is different, um, I, I just want my money back. Right. Uh, because what they took from me was without my consent. Uh, they didn't have my permission. Yeah. And they just took it automatically. And therefore, I, basically, I want it back. And we also have several other suits, uh, class action suits and others, not only by Liberty Justice Center, uh, but by other entities across the nation that are trying to do the same thing. Uh, because there's a lot of people out there that feel that they can spend the money uh, much better and for greater benefit than, than what the unions do. Mm-hmm. Sure. Now, you, you just uh, gave the, the notion of the statute of limitations that uh, would exist in individual states. Um, would this same argument in terms of wanting to recoup uh, what was stolen? I mean, would that apply also to recently retired public sector workers? I mean, are they uh, fair game in all of this to be able to recoup money? I have no idea. Okay. To be honest with you. I, I don't know if that would go for retirees or not. Okay. Uh, and I'm not a lawyer, so mm-hmm. I, I honestly can't say. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you just mentioned a moment ago that there are class action lawsuits being filed in other states. Can you share with our listeners what's going on in other parts of the country in that regard? Well, yeah, in in many states, um, you know, we we have several cases. Or actually, there's one class action suit uh, here in Illinois, um, and then we also have some other class action suits, you know, going on on uh, towards the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, what it is is we're we're classifying them as class action from the standpoint that instead of filing individual cases for one person at a time, mm-hmm. we can get class status, then uh, it's just simpler from, from what I'm told is from a legal entity that mm-hmm. you know, this means it covers all the workers that want to. Um, and like other class actions uh, that you may be aware of, you know, whether it be uh, who, who knows what, you, you get those notices all the time. Yeah, usually with uh, medical things or medical mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're hoping that the courts will agree and and say, look, okay, fine, we agree this was illegal, and then, of course, then you go to the individual once the class action is settled, is my understanding, and then, you know, it it's, moves on from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gets spread out through. through. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, let's, let's spend the rest of our time really talking about just kind of the rights of workers. I know that you're doing a lot of work with Liberty Justice Center and traveling the country and just educating uh, government workers of their rights. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, unions, politicians, they're resisting the implementation of the court's ruling. And as a result of that, because of just frustrating the efforts of, of workers in general, 
uh, many government workers, they remain unaware of their rights. Um, So for public sector employees listening tonight that are torn over their union membership, those that are voicing the same concerns that you began to recognize and to begin to voice uh, on your end, would you use this moment just to kind of share with them, I mean, what their, their rights are? Absolutely. Um, in, in fact, Liberty Justice Center, uh, our organization, has come up with what we call Janus Rights. Um, again, I'm not totally comfortable with that, mm-hmm. but um, it, it's uh, akin to Miranda Rights, which yeah. everybody is familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but these Janus Rights are, are very simple. If you work in the government, you have the right to join or not join a union. Mm-hmm. The affirmative. Simple. You need to be yeah. able to give the affirmative. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And your employer should inform you of mm-hmm. your options. In other words, your employer should, when you come in, uh, they should say, look, you don't have to, to join the union, but if you want to, you're perfectly uh, able to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government must get your permission to deduct union dues or fees from your paycheck. Mm-hmm. Again, something very simple, simple, mm-hmm. uh, nothing outstanding there. If you are not a union member, you do not have to pay anything to the union at your workplace. In other words, you don't have to pay the union to keep your job. Mm-hmm. And the last point is employer-provided benefits are not tied to your union membership status. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to our earlier conversation, I believe. Right week where we talked about some unions are telling people that if you leave the union, you're not going to get your benefits. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, totally false, Mm -hmm. uh, because all these employer-provided benefits are usually, um, in 99.9% of the cases, provided by the employer. Right, Mm -hmm. right, which you did such a great job of explaining. And I think, as you said last week, so many people are not aware of that, um, both in and out, inside and outside of the union. You know, I'm, I'm... um, in a private sector job, uh, but I never knew that that was the case. And even worse, if you're actually part of that union and you don't know that that's the case, that there's been that much uh, lack of transparency over the years that you... Act- I actually think I have heard of teachers giving up their health care because they didn't want to be part of a union, which means they were kind of suckered into thinking that their health care was tied to their union dues and actually gave it up. And, you know, how sad is that, that the union would actually let them do that when they know full well that they don't need to? Exactly. And and that's part of the misrepresentation that unions are putting out there to maintain their public roles mm-hmm. of members, uh, to keep their monopoly power, and, and to have that um, power over the individual worker, mm-hmm. uh, w- which I think is abominable. I do too. I, I, if, if, if you're a good, if you're a good entity, whatever association, union, uh, club, whatever, if you're doing a good job, aren't people going to flock to you? Right. Want to voluntarily join and be a part of uh, of that organization? Right. You should not have to be deceitful to get members. Exactly. <laughs> or, or forced or coerced mm-hmm. into membership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What what might you share, Mark, um, with people that are kind of the way, you know, they're weighing the pros and the cons of all of this, and those that maybe just have a fear of any type of retaliation or bullying that might come as they begin to voice their concerns of, you know, either wanting to opt out of their union or not joining union at all? Well, I think you have to, to understand that uh, 
that you are going to obviously get some resistance um, because the unions are, are going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just have to stay strong like I did and, mm-hmm. and many others across the country that are, that are doing the same thing. Um, and you have to realize that uh, they really is nothing they can do for you other than, you know, they can say whatever they want. Right. Uh, like in my case, they did a lot of social media, newspapers, and et cetera. And, um, and initially, yeah, it kind of bothered me, but but after a while, it, it it's like, okay, fine, we understand the reality of, of what they're trying to do, and, and you just basically ignore it mm-hmm. and the like. Uh, I, I won't sugarcoat it and tell you that it, that uh, you know it, it may or may not be easy or not easy yeah. uh, every individual has their own choice and their own voice and every individual is has to make that decision mm-hmm. um, and however I think though that that we're seeing that the more people that do opt out and the more people that yeah. leave the union um, for lack of a better term safety in numbers yeah for sure. Life. And I think you just have to say, look, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, Did, it's not part of my beliefs. It's not part of what I what I understand and, and believe in. Do you have any data, I'm kind of throwing this sideways at you, on how many public sector unions have actually opted out of the union, even with all of this lack of transparency and limited opt-out periods and what have you? Well, that's difficult to say because, again, the lack of transparency. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of different entities, um, uh, you know, in different states that have, have talked about, you know, there's 10 percent, 11 percent. Some groups are saying, you know, thousands. Others are saying over a million. Hmm. Uh, wow, that's a huge but, variation. It, yeah. yeah. There, mm-hmm. it, again, it depends on how you count the numbers. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, the unions are, are not going to be very transparent. Mm-hmm. The best thing we can look at is what's known as an LM2, which is a uh, report that the unions have to file on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're finding even some of those numbers don't quite add up either. <laughs> so it, you know, and and whether and it's how they're classified. I wouldn't say it's necessarily deceitful, but it's it, you know, different unions classify it different ways. Is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I'm not an expert in that regard. So, mm-hmm. um, n- kind of another sideways comment here. I understand that that's actually quite common with Planned Parenthood reporting as well. That's sure. how they keep their number of abortions uh, down because they don't necessarily count all of the services that are provided that might be in preparation for an abortion as part of abortion services. They would consider that women's health. And again, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but when you have to report numbers and data to the government, or in this case, um, to the union, uh, top union pieces, um, it's easy to kind of manipulate the numbers uh, to to provide a picture that you want to provide. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, and the only thing I can suggest is, you know, kind of do some of your own research, um, you know, go out, uh, Google it, if you will, mm-hmm. and and the like. Yeah, there's probably a lot of information out there. Yeah. Oh, uh, bounds and bounds of it. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a broad question here, and I know we've touched on some of these things uh, over these two shows, but I just want to ask the question again, Mark. You know, what should government workers know about your case and about working in the government in general? 
I would say the primary um, item that they should be aware of is that you do not have to pay a union to work for government. Yeah. <laughs> In other words, you have the choice to make your own decision. Um, and the government or the union cannot force you to pay a fee just to work in the public sector. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. Yeah, and that's such it, an important it, message. It, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's very concise, and it's up to the individual to decide that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that is why um, I, I kind of get my, the hairs on the back of my neck when they talk about my decision being anti-union. Right. I've never been anti-union my whole life. Uh, I just believe in the individual rights of the person and the First Amendment, the right of association. Mm-hmm. We all have that. That's why it's the First Amendment. Um, right. And individuals have to realize um, that if we don't fight for our rights, no matter what they are, um, we're going to lose them. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's uh, uh, just a basic part of our democracy or our republic. And as Benjamin Franklin uh, said after the Constitutional Convention, um, a lady came up to him and said, well, what say you, Mr. Franklin? He says, lady, we have a republic if you can keep it. Yes, that's one of my yep. favorite quotes of our founders. Mm-hmm. And right. and right now, I, I just saw some research going around that the young millennials, or maybe it's the 18 to 24-year-olds, I'm not sure which group it was, and a surprising number don't necessarily believe that First Amendment rights should always be consistently applied, um, that in some cases they should be removed. And I find that just a staggering thought uh, that we have some young people coming up through the ranks that, that think that way. But, you know, you turn on the news or you read the Internet and it's everywhere, uh, this notion that First Amendment rights should be silenced in certain quadrants of our society, i.e. especially Christians and conservatives. <laughs> well, if, let's look at it from the standpoint that if you have a right that you've enjoyed for years and years, and now all of a sudden it's been taken away from you, mm-hmm. um, how do you think you're going to feel? Right. Uh, and, and the like. Let's say you have the right to drive a car down the street, and all of a sudden uh, some entity comes in and says, sorry, you now can't drive the car down the street anymore. you got to walk. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I can't even imagine the uproar that that, that may occur. Right, right. Well, in our last uh, minute and a half here or so, um, one more time, what advice would you give government employees after June 27th, 2018, who are being told they cannot leave their public sector union and were never told they even had a choice? What's, the, what's some of the number one pieces of advice you'd give them? Well, I, I would say, you know, look up our website, which is standwithworkers.org. Um, and we have a, a number of, of information points that you can read and, and learn about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just say if you strongly believe that you don't want to be a member of the union, and again, that's your choice, mm-hmm. uh, your decision, um, then you need to follow whatever you need to follow in order to get out mm-hmm. uh, and the like. And if you have difficulty, um, you know, contact us. You know, we have ways of, of helping, um, whether that be just writing a simple letter um, or it could be, you know, that we have to do litigation. Mm. And we do litigation all across the country mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for people that have, 
We've had over 1,400 people that have contacted us. Oh, that's fantastic. However, what's interesting is um, how many other people out there that have tried to resign, and they run into a roadblock, and they just give up. Okay. Mm-hmm. The other side. So mm-hmm. uh, know you... what your rights are, exercise them, and, uh, of course, Liberty Justice Center is here to help. All right. And, again, you said the, that that website is standwithworkers.org. Standwithworkers.org, is that correct? Yes, and it's all one word. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Mark. Yes, thank you, Mark. We're so happy to have you on the show last week and this week. And thank you to you, Mark Durkin, and thank you to our listeners. We'll see you next week.